Hi, welcome to Interviews Podcast. I am passionate about business. I used to run businesses for others before launching my own. And I have always asked myself one key question. What is the secret recipe to properly structure and successfully run a business? So I am on a quest to find out through insightful conversations with entrepreneurs all around the world. Follow me on my journey to crack the entrepreneurship code. This is interviews number seven. Today I am in Finland with Gregory Peliki, co-founder and chief storyteller of Critical Charm, a VR gaming startup. Greg also hosts two podcasts called One Game Dad and Startup Hell. Hell as in Helsinki, not as a hell, H-E-L-L. Thank you. Thank you very much, Greg, to be uh, with me today. Yeah, no worries, Laurent. It's, uh, it's funny if you think about this, because uh, when we first met, I was there to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, uh, maybe maybe we, can, we can talk about that a, a little bit later, about you know, the importance of, of network when you, move, when you move into a new country. But yeah, basically, we met, we met in Cambodia, like what? 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I don't even uh, remember. Almost, yeah, wow. <laughs> and then you were the first person that I contacted uh, in Finland before, before I moved. I was, actually looking, I was actually looking on my LinkedIn profile and then bam, I found, I found your name and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, let's try, let's try the old connection and it actually worked pretty well so thank you for that too <laughs> yeah, no worries always happy to help cool uh tell me a little bit about your business the startup yeah so uh, critical charm is almost two years old at this point and uh, we are working on a vr game called a giant problem and uh, that is set to come out on Steam uh, for the Steam VR mm-hmm. and Oculus. So it'll work on just about every VR headset out there. It's a game where you get to be a giant and smash, bash, and mash lots of little creatures. <laughs> nice. So very, very simple. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you as a parent know what it's like you know, being surrounded by just hordes of kids. You're like, you know, sometimes it would be nice to just be able to pick them up and throw them around. Yeah. It's the same thing, but uh, you won't be taken to prison over playing it. Yeah. And what, what, what stage of development are you? Uh, we're in production right now, so nice. it's set to come out this year. Okay, nice. So I have, I have a question. I'm intrigued by your title, Chief Storyteller. What does it, what does it mean? Uh, well, uh, Chief Storyteller, uh, I picked my title in, in part because everyone shares so many tasks in a startup and it's hard to be like, hard to necessarily say that oh this is one person's you know sole thing um with probably the exception of like our artist (laughs) because Mm -hmm. she is you know she does everything related to art but the idea was that like i'm while i'm leading up design i'm not necessarily the lead designer because everyone contributes yep and so it was in part a recognition of everyone 
participating in this, but also all, all of the other tasks I have as part of my role, which include marketing and uh, narrative and production. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it, it was trying to be inclusive of everything I do while also respectful of what the rest of the team does rather mm-hmm. than, you know, staking my claim like, oh, I am the only one that does this, which mm-hmm. just simply isn't true for the way we work. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's very much in line also, I guess, with your, with your background, right? Because when we met, you were, you were a journalist, so you, you like to write stories. Yes, uh, very true. <laughs> and, so how, uh, did you move, how did you move from uh, being a journalist back when we were in Cambodia to now being, you know, the co-founder of a gaming startup? <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, need. Well, not necessarily an interesting story. I've said it a lot, but uh, <laughs> others may find it a little uh, boring. But uh, after Cambodia, well, actually, after being a journalist in Cambodia, I did some uh, communications work for NGOs, which you know, involved a form of storytelling. And then I actually went to Iraq to work for the U.S. government uh, as a contractor working on Mm -hmm. a number of their development projects, doing much the same as I did in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. But I had met my uh, to-be wife at the time in Cambodia. So while I was in Iraq, she went off to Malawi and Africa. And once we finished up our contracts, we wanted to be in the same place. So the easiest place for us to do that was... Finland um, okay. and uh, coming here meant uh, in a lot of ways restarting my career because there isn't that need for humanitarian aid or development mm-hmm. while they do have some work here it's largely more social work and it's in Finnish or they do some uh, foreign aid but again it's Finnish citizens that do that so I didn't qualify. Uh, and again, it just ended up being a reset to my career, mm. uh, which then meant I was doing uh, technically unemployed. So I uh, took the integration classes they had on offer. So mm. I was learning Swedish um, and at the same time trying to do some freelance work, get back into journalism or copy mm-hmm. uh writing and editing and uh, yeah then I became a father <laughs> okay. so I en- ended up in you know the true Nordic tradition being a stay-at-home dad for a while with uh, our daughter until she was old enough to go to daycare at which yeah. point I had a decision of okay what am I going to do career-wise because essentially my career eh, well, I've said this, this will be the third time I'd been re- reset to zero, but it was complicated by the fact of the Finnish system and how the culture works here in terms of your experience, your education, if it is not within Finland. Mm. So the easiest thing for me to do was to start my own business, which is actually another company I have, not just Critical Charm. Mm. In that, I started uh, doing copywriting and games writing and uh, other marketing work for other companies. Mm. But then I uh, met my partners, 
mm. uh, in critical term. And since then, it's yeah been a growing team. Right. So, so, so you became an entrepreneur, basically, if I understand, because you did not really have the choice. It was like, you know, I'm trying. The only thing that is open for me is being my own, my own boss, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, this is the crazy thing about like the way unemployment can work in a lot of systems. Yeah. Uh, I, in, I, I'm going to specifically talk about the Finnish, but I'm pretty sure that there's aspects of it that relate to other systems. In that, you know, to get a job, it's easier if you have a job. But if you're without a job, you need to maintain your skills. You need to seem viable. And yeah. so freelancing, doing those things, having projects, trying to participate, you know, do things that make it look like I am uh, employable, that, mm -hmm. that I have kept my skills up, that I am a viable candidate. Or it can put you at odds with uh, the social welfare system because mm -hmm. if you bring in even a little bit of income, then it can jeopardize the support you're getting. And so it, being a freelancer in that case is tenuous at best. Like you're really having to uh, fight with the system being like, look, I am doing everything possible to make myself employable to make myself the best possible candidate so you no longer have to assist me yeah, but yeah. The, you're also telling me i can't do what's necessary to do this yes and so because finland has a startup grant it just i just figured the easiest way to not have to do that is to get the startup grant which is the equivalent of unemployment but you don't have the hassle of reporting to the unemployment office. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the, the simple idea was like, okay, get the startup grant and then I can continue what I'm doing. I at least have a base income to support myself through this year as I try to grow my business, get contacts yeah, and I either yeah. continue with my business or I become employed by someone else, but I'm never having to, you know, walk that, uh, razor's edge with un the unemployment office which yeah. can be a really emotionally taxing thing for someone yeah well i can't i can totally relate to that because i'm i'm going through more or less the same process right now because you know moving from cambodia to finland for me it's like starting from scratch and i yeah yeah i don't want to go to the unemployment office and say hello <laughs> i need some help you know it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. My ego is, uh, will be, um, you know, don't, we won't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you have years of working yeah. and yeah, yeah. you have years of experience, which comes into an earlier comment I made about, you know, working here in Finland and that oftentimes like your education and your work experience is all for naught here in Finland because it didn't happen in Finland. Yeah. And even my wife experienced this and she's Finnish, but she studied abroad and then she continued to work abroad. Yeah. And so your, your experience and the timeline in which you achieve things is different outside of Finland. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you come to Finland and you're 30 and you've been a manager and you have all this, you know, high level experience, they look at you as like, 
wait, how is that possible? You're 30. You should only just be graduating university. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fact is, well, that's not how the rest of the world works. Uh So, you know, you, you, you can be at odds with expectations here. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's, 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 that's interesting, but it paid off for you because at the end of the day, you met with your partners and your, and you launched uh, critical charm. Yes. So, so what, so tell me, what is it like to be like, like an entrepreneur now, like full time with, with the team and co-founders? It's a bit like parenthood. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In that you don't feel like you can ever turn off, that you have to be thinking about all aspects of, is this good for the company? Is this good for the growth? Is this good for, you know, the people involved? You know, Mm. is it happy? Is it healthy? Is it, you know, doing what it should? Um, But also, yeah, like trying to find time for yourself in there is difficult. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we, like, having had a kid uh, the year before getting into entrepreneurship full-time, it has been a good thing in that the kid itself provides a very hard out every day because Mm -hmm. I have to pick her up from daycare. And, And if she's sick, well, she's the priority. You know, work will always be there, but at the same time, things with jobs uh only ever move at the speed of other humans Mm -hmm. so while we have all this great instant forms of communication it ultimately doesn't really matter because you're always going to be waiting on someone or something Mm -hmm. so yeah like that it it provides uh, a break but also some much needed time to think and contemplate and plan yeah yeah, how much, how much, how much planning do you do actually? That's that's an interesting aspect. It, well, game design itself is all planning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're, that's a large part of what it is, and then tweaking those plans, not just like okay, in what order you're going to do something but you're you're designing software so you're planning how different systems are meant to interact and then the marketing side is planning how you're going to let people know about this how you're going to try to sell them on this and once you start having other employees or even just you have other founders like you actually have to plan out like how you are going to interact you you have to be aware that you know everyone has their own needs or schedules their own preferred ways of working their mm-hmm. uh, their own methods of providing feedback or ways of receiving feedback yeah yeah how would you uh, what sort of um, a manager you would describe yourself or if others were talking about you, you know, they were talking about your style of management, what would they say? I think they'd probably use um, two phrases. Uh, one would be uh, responsive, mm-hmm. but the other would be hands-off. In that, you know, everyone else 
has their jobs and I trust them to do their roles. But if they yeah. need something from me, whether it's a decision or feedback or just assistance in whatever task they are working on, then I try to be there instantly. Like I can stop writing an email. I can stop my design work. I can stop what I'm doing to be able to assist them because of how important their task is. Not necessarily relative to mine, but it just how necess how much it necessitates them having being able to accomplish their work before I do mine before they do theirs, because it, like game design is often you know laying the track before the train. Mm. but at the same time like the train can break down and so you have to go back and make sure that train uh, continues to move mm. uh, and sometimes that train wants to go in a different direction so while i've laid track in one direction sometimes it needs to be pulled up and uh, laid down in a different direction mm. so yeah it, it's trying i i, I try to be hands-off because the others are the experts in their field. Um, whereas my job is to make sure that they're not going too far afield, that they, they are keeping in line with what we're trying to do. Uh, so whether it's, you know, uh, keeping the scope down, uh, limiting them from going too wild with things or, just clearly setting out what a task is and in what mm. order they should do things. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. So in that being hands off is because I want to trust them. I, mm. I think that people do better when they are trusted to get the work done. And some of that comes from my experience of good bosses and bad uh, yeah. working with people in different cultures and, uh, you know, the different needs and expectations people have. And so what you're trying to cultivate with them, what do you want to see, because I know from my experience, I don't like to be micromanaged, but I mm -hmm. also don't want to be standing over someone's shoulder telling them, okay, you know, click here, press there, do this, do that. It's, uh, to me, that, that that's useless yeah. treat 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 people the way you would like to be treated basically very much so and it's always this idea of okay not that i am the leader but i like this idea of leadership being like you are not necessarily the smartest person in the room but you know who the smartest person in the room is for any particular mm -hmm task or problem mm -hmm. and so you can as assign it to them you take their feedback on for it yeah yeah i i, I love it it's you know this is uh, I have a lot of uh, discussion with my clients and through the interviews i do with entrepreneurs and we talk a lot about staff and the, the importance of trusting people and what what i see what i see a lot is that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are afraid of of letting go of recruiting people who are better than them at, mm -hmm. you know, at what they do. But they, they tend to forget that their job is to be the entrepreneur. Their job is to be the leader. 
being a leader is a full-time is a full-time job and if you want people to if you want the best you know for your companies you need to have people to hire people who are better than you at what they do and this is exactly what you're saying when you're talking about experts yeah, I've seen that as a business journalist. I've seen it as an entrepreneur, even just being a, 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 you know, freelancer, whether it's doing copywriting or something. It's like, well, when I come in to work with a client, like you've hired me for a very particular purpose. So mm. yeah, their fee- feedback is welcome and you're meant to serve the clients. But at the same time, like Clients don't always know what they want. Uh, people don't always know. So you have to limit how much, how many options you give to people. Yeah. So. Yeah. What would you say you are um, the biggest challenge today? Biggest challenge um, to entrepreneurship or game development? Because well, entre- are... let's, let's focus on entrepreneurship. Yes. Okay. Um, mine is uh, probably balancing uh, family life because of the family life with mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur because while they, they, you know there's this talk of oh you're an entrepreneur 24 7 the fact is well no that can stop at any time i'm always going to be a family man i'm always going to have my wife and my daughter so they are always going to be more important Mm-hmm. but it, it, it's balancing their needs with what I need to accomplish at work. So like, you know, kids when they're young get sick so much more, especially mm-hmm. once they start going to daycare or school, they, they're just breeding grounds for disease. And so, you know, your kid gets sick, your partner gets sick, you get sick and it, it, it can just spiral out of control. And in that you have to find time to get to work. Yeah, And then the fact is like my wife has a very important job and she travels 25% of the time, if not okay. more. And so that means the childcare is very much on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that can be the biggest challenge to entrepreneurship in, in part because I'm not there in the office. I get, uh, I, try not to make it so I'm relied upon like people are unable to do their work if I'm unable to show up because well that's a failure of the system that's me being a roadblock rather than me helping but um, yeah being uh, having a family is like it is not easy because it that is a second job that is the more important job (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than the business and, and this is partly why you hear about you know all these you know, young people you know they're 26 and they're just they're at the office 100 hours a week and it's like well generally you don't have the ties that others do those limitations yeah but at the same time those limitations have made for a better uh, working environment and have given me that time to sit and plan because mm-hmm. okay when you're doing a puzzle with a kid it may not be that mentally stimulating but at least it gives you that time to process yeah 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 it's 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 uh i've, I've several questions uh, coming coming to my mind it's very interesting everything 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 you said uh the first first 
point for me that I, that I want to uh, highlight is the fact that even, yes, you're an entrepreneur. Yes, it's, it's, a very, it's very important for you what you, what you what you do. But you need to, rem- to remember that it's only a job at the, end, at the end of the day. There are other things that are way more important uh, than, than your company. For example, like you said, your family having spending time spending time with your kids because your kids will grow faster than what you think. And I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you know you don't want to wake up one day in the morning and be like, oh God, you know what? What did the time go? You know, my kid yeah. is already like is leaving home, and I've not seen him grow. Yeah, well, I, I experienced that with like my father. So, mm. you know, part of it is I don't necessarily want to replicate that. Yeah. I want to yeah. be there for mine. Yeah. But it is, it is going back to the point before that, you know, things will only ever happen at the speed of humans. Yeah. Like, like getting another email out, getting another blog post up, doing that one more thing, staying that one more hour isn't necessarily going to be what actually pushes you over the edge it isn't what's necessarily going to make the company in part because it's always going to be waiting on a response for others yeah especially when you're working in something like a game development which is a global market like we don't think of it as oh uh, we're trying to market in finland and germany and uh, china or the u.s we have to think globally i at some point, the marketing gets a little more segmented, but by and large, the work is always going to be our market is the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, what are the what are you talking about the private balancing private life with working life? What have you been able to implement so far? To be have you, have you are you successful doing that? I think so. We. Uh, uh, crunch is a notoriously bad thing in the video game industry. So this is people working uh, like 60 plus hour weeks um, for, and doing extended periods of, you know, that, that we to date haven't done that. There have been days where like I, I'll come in on a Saturday or Sunday, but that's because my daughter was ill during the week. And so mm. I, that, that's essentially a day where I wasn't working. So I'm mm. making up for it then. But I'm not asking our employees to do that. Um, mm. our par- like uh, those of us that are partners sometimes do pull longer hours, but we're by and large actively working to avoid that. And th- this comes into the production side, like planning things out, scoping the project such that others aren't going to be impacted, that they are able to have that work-life balance, which is a very important thing here in Finland. And it's also something I'm very cognizant of, and like the legal implications, what we can actually ask from employees or interns. Like there's a hard limit on that before we either have to start paying them more or there are other repercussions and we as a startup can't uh, afford that Mm -hmm. so it's better that we plan our production and work in such a way that people can accomplish you know what they need to in the time 
that they yeah. are at the office or I, we also have a quite a bit of remote working but yeah and that's and that's 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 awesome because by focusing on your balancing your private and professional life you are it forces you to actually find ways to be more efficient at work and very it's, much it, so yeah it's interesting because the uh, the prime minister of finland is uh, trying to promote the the four week day six hours six hours per day they were i think she's basing um uh, uh she's basing a recommendation on a study that was done that was done in a in a in a city in uh, sweden i think mm -hmm. where they found that the uh, the efficiency and the productivity had actually actually increased because people spend less time at work so they need to be more focused they need to be more sharp when they are at work and then they go they go home they spend the time with their family and like you said well even when you are in your family part of the job of the entrepreneur is to think and there's a lot of entrepreneurs who forget about that is they're so damn uh into the uh, stuck into the operations that they do not take the time to take a step back and think which apparently you've already been doing like since the beginning well it, i think part of that comes from being uh, um, having had a more creative background mm. because uh, whether it's you know freelancing as a copywriter like part of what i'm having to bill or what i had to bill was the fact that okay i'm not just going to sit here and type away it doesn't just happen like that yeah. what you're paying me for is to also think about this and then uh, put it into action and provide it to you mm -hmm. because you yourself don't have time to think about it so yeah. i this is true for any sort of contractor that you hire like you are outsourcing not just the actual work but the thought of the work the the planning the production and the the outcome and so i've just always had that in mind mm. and so yeah i come into the office and i never have writer's block because well i've been, if i've been playing with my daughter well that's yeah. time that's enabled me to uh, think about things and what would be great is the more time to actually uh, take in new influences mm -hmm. to, to to do new things to do more things that are outside of it so to help generate more of those ideas yeah yeah what are you the most uh, proud of as an entrepreneur so far i honestly would say that it's uh the the culture of the company I, which when i was a business journalist i would have been like yeah wow everyone says that but the funny thing is like we have a really great team that works together mm. really well and we've honed that and everyone's uh, uh, working together like everyone has meshed really well while still being different uh from one another so it's not like we're all tech bros and we're all yeah, let's go drink beer and play ping pong I, I, but it's the and we still butt heads at time <laughs> uh, I, look it, it's going to happen it's inevitable yeah but but the fact is that it, yeah like we actively enjoy working together and 
yeah, we, we want to be doing the work. Like we believe in the team. We believe in the project. We believe in the company. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that is, uh, I'm quite proud of that because at the same time, like, okay, we have tried a couple of previous games that didn't work out. So mm-hmm. we never took them into production. So yeah, we've been through that, uh, sort of, uh, product failure cycle or so you I learn from that it, yeah. yeah 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 what's what's the big what's a big dream for critical term um well <laughs> i think right now that the, the hard thing uh, for anyone to say is a big dream i think everyone's just so focused on production but um no we want to i mean yeah we want to not necessarily yeah, it'd be nice to become a household name in the VR industry. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they know our games. But uh, yeah, I think that that we can just become stable enough to keep doing this and uh, reach our exit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what stable, st- stable enough to uh, keep doing this? What what does it take? You think? Well, uh, Finland's an interesting place. Because, uh, to, as an entrepreneur because so much of what you're doing is also government supported like there are grants uh, and uh, loans that you can get like it it is a very business forward environment mm-hmm. and so there's a lot you can a lot of support that you can get from uh, business finland from uh, Techists from various sources, whether it's you're doing R and D or you're trying to grow your business uh, in other markets. Yeah, like there are all these sources that can help you, and that's fantastic. But at the same time, as a business, you don't want to be reliant upon those. So mm-hmm. you want your service or your products to be what is sustaining the company yep so to some degree it would be able to move off of that and solely uh, subsist upon uh, our own productions mm. Mm. And of course uh, game development is one of those things like movies where it's like okay one company makes the movie another company publishes it and so they're investing money so it's never as simple as oh it's only us doing everything and yeah. it's only us working on our own money but mm. uh, it, yeah to maybe be less dependent upon uh, the Finnish government mm-hmm. okay and it's it's Finland as, 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 as you say is an interesting place because the, the the IT and gaming industry here is, is huge there are many 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 startups and my experience uh, I have with startups is that I found that they are they tend to be too much focused on trying to to collect to raise money as fast as fast as they can so they can survive you know maybe mm-hmm. in the hope of becoming the next angry bird because i don't know if if the audience knows but angry bird was born was born in in finland and for me it's like i'm not sure if it is i understand companies needs to be stable financially but i am not sure if it is the right priority you know, because that always comes at the expense of something else, which is building the foundations for sustainability uh, long term. Well, I think some of that stems, again, from like the Finnish system in that 
you have to be like you have to follow the rules like you have to be registered as a company you know you have mm. to have your tax situation sorted out like everything has to be very by the book compared to like the US where it's easy to just be like okay we're we're doing something we're pulling something together and then we'll sort the business stuff later we'll sort the money like we'll we'll just get this rolling like, mm. and so it feels like you're at, to some degree you're more constrained in that way and that you're having to make sure that things are in order just to be able to even start a business to start trying something mm. so like freelancing was a um a, a, a trying thing because it's well like is the government getting their tax money immediately upon uh, you invoicing things are you a registered company uh, what type of company you are like there are all of these factors that go into it whereas in the states it's okay as a freelancer or a company you play your pay your taxes quarterly mm. and so you have to be aware of that but at least you can start up and get rolling before you're even really dealing with that whereas here in finland it's no you have to set up before you can do business mm. okay if you had known everything that you know now is there something you would do you would do differently um yeah yeah i i think it'd be some of the stuff uh to do with uh, our share, initial shareholders agreement. Okay. Um, Fibon, uh, so that's the Finnish uh, Business Angels Network, has an excellent uh, example of a shareholders agreement by, that you can use as a template for your own. And uh, we should have started with that. Mm. Um, because it's very appropriate for the Finnish context as well as what investors here are going to expect. Like it, it covers a lot of ground. So yeah, just having a, a solid, uh, you know, uh, shareholders agreement as well as um, looking at having like a vesting cliff uh, mm -hmm. so that uh, no one is technically getting shares until a certain period because mm -hmm. you know that that first couple of months that first year is actually a very trying time for any yeah. startup and so yeah you you just want to make things easier on you you want to make sure people are sticking out and that, that the team that you're forming are are quality okay interesting um, i want to talk a little bit about you know uh the uh, the future because i'm a coach so i'm gonna put my coaching hat on mm -hmm. <laughs> and i'm gonna try to find you know a way for yourself to be more accountable or to be more effective what is it what is the one thing that you should stop doing today to be a more effective entrepreneur mm -hmm. 
Uh, difficult question. I wish I had uh, given this uh, before the interview so I could think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was in the list that I sent you. <laughs> I, I know, but like uh, yeah, that was uh, like a week ago. <laughs> uh, it was like, no, you, you would never ask the question. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I can just uh, get you so enraptured with the, the the story of how we started that you'll never get to these. <laughs> huh? To make myself more accountable. Yeah, one thing that you should stop doing as an entrepreneur that you know it's you know it's not efficient, and you you have to stop doing it. You have to delegate it. Mm. I, I would, I think it would be best if I actually delegate the marketing, but the fact is we don't necessarily have anyone else on the team I can delegate mm -hmm. the marketing to. And that's because while the marketing is highly important, it's not as tied to production. It's dependent upon the production because we need, um, pictures and images and uh, videos we need information to be able to share about uh, the game that we're making but you know my other roles of doing design and production uh, production is the planning is actually you know that that's affecting what everyone else is doing and so marketing is very much on the sides and so I'm not necessarily as focused on it. I'm not necessarily doing as well as I could because of how much I need to focus on everything else. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I think it, I would be more effective if I was able to delegate those tasks. In, in, interesting. So now my oh, next question will be like, what are you waiting for? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, uh, what I'm waiting for is uh, money. <laughs> no, well, uh, the the fact is that like we're a small team, and that this is true for most uh, startups and entrepreneurs. You have to wear many hats, mm. and uh, like we've been quite effective because we've been marketing from the beginning, and it is something we're doing. But at the same time, because how because of how production on video games goes, there are times where there is very little to actually show of the game. Yep. And so marketing can very much, you know, just uh, kind of be left to the side, which isn't necessarily good. But yeah, it is the sort of thing where it's a trade-off. And then with the limited hours I sometimes have in the office, the, Again, production and game design uh, are paramount because yeah. then others can do their tasks. Yeah, but it's it's interesting this uh, you know trade-off marketing production that you're talking about because I remember when I was working for an advertising agency in Cambodia, there was this potential client who came who came and see us, and they were launching a, a fintech app, and they decided to put a lot of efforts on marketing first. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they were contacting different advertising agencies and they were putting, you know, marketing budget and marketing plan. But talking to investors, 
it turned out that you know their priority was not marketing, but they wanted they they wanted more focus on production to see that the mm-hmm. app was actually technically working. So they had they had to they had to change their 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 focus to focus more on on production. Well, oh, and it's very much the well. Not that we have to focus more on production, but it is the same thing with us. Like mm-hmm. uh, for. Our partners, we have to prove that we are achieving what we say we can and that mm-hmm. we will, and as well as for our potential customers, potential players, they need to know that okay, we are actually making a solid game, uh, and that it's not just all pretty pictures. Yeah. So. Okay. If you had one recommendation to give to the uh, entrepreneurs out there the people part of startups or you know the wannabe entrepreneurs what would it be set yourself um like firm hours because again it's that last email that last post that that last uh, bit of design isn't going to actually push things over you don't need to be working 24 7 mm-hmm. like, like it's not just you it's going to be your team like there's only so much you can get done there's only so effective you're going to be and you're ultimately going to be waiting on others yeah whether you're waiting to hear from investors, whether you're waiting to hear from clients or customers, uh, partners, like you're, you're only ever going to work at the speed of humanity. It's not at the speed of communication. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is true. I think that's a very clear, that's a very clear message that you, 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 you gave throughout, throughout the conversation. Um, two last questions. Who inspires you? Do you follow anybody on the social media? Um, who inspires me? I, my, I know this is a cheesy answer, but, uh, she's not home right now. So I can say <laughs> it. She's not over my shoulder, uh, with a whip. Uh, but no, my wife, my yeah. wife inspires me because she still works in humanitarian aid and development. And so me doing what I am enable. Uh, is me being able to support her like enables her to travel and for us to have a family like it's about at least one of us doing good for the world mm-hmm. and so yeah like everything that she does is uh yeah inspiring yeah oh, i can totally relate to that you know i never talk about it but my my fiance soon to be wife i really admire her because she's a She's a really, really strong person. What books would you recommend? Uh, books. Hmm. Well, for uh, fiction, uh, I would recommend Sometimes a Great Notion by mm-hmm. Ken Kesey. So this is his second book. He originally, his first was uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm-hmm. which became the film with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, his second book is uh, far better and also uh, quite relevant to today's age. You know, that this question about like, what is toxic masculinity? And it's all, it's about a um, lumber family mm-hmm. in 
Finland. It, I mean, which they are essentially entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, or, sorry, I said it's about a lumber family in Finland. It's about a lumber family in Oregon in the US, but it's relevant to Finland because uh, lumber is a big thing. It's relevant mm -hmm. to entrepreneurship because of the costs that uh, running a business has and the expectations it can have. Um, as far as nonfiction goes, I would say, uh, oh, Salt, A World History. It's, okay. uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's about the impact that one single mineral, one single industry has had upon the world and how times have changed and how it influences cultures and food. And yeah, it, it's, it's a surprising, entertaining take on something that you often ignore because it's just sitting there on the table. All right. Well, thank you very much, Greg, for, your, for spending the time uh, with me this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.